So today, I'm here with a special guest, and I'm going to allow her to introduce herself to the audience. Hello, everyone. My name is Darla Collinette, and I'm very honored to be here on Kingdom Talks to talk with you about relationships and how you can tell if they're healthy, unhealthy, or abusive. Thank you, Dalla. This leads me to the question about love and relationship. We live in a world where we don't take these four letters very seriously. The Bible says in John 3, 16, it's a verse that we all know of our heads. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Human relationship is all about love. But why is it that we live in a world where we don't really believe in love or we can't even define the word love to even to speak about what it is. Is it based on feelings? Like it's it's a very complex and a broad terminology that we don't know what it is, but we just use it anyhow. So can you define what love is? One of the greatest tools I ever created is a worksheet called um, What is Love? And it helps you define your definition of love so mm-hmm. I've come to learn through throughout my life, through years of working with many women that were struggling with love and, and abuse too, uh, how to deal with this and how to get to the core of this. So we all need to discover, we need to know what our definition of love is in black and white. So we need to write that down. What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What does it look mm-hmm. like? Where, and then we need to go to the next step, which is, okay, Where did these definitions come from? Most of them came from our family experiences, from um, other experiences in our life with relationships as we go through dating or, you know, whatever, whatever we learn. But we also learn what love is just in the family unit, which can really be detrimental if it's not a healthy love. So although my parents were Christians their whole life. They were very broken. My mom was Native American and she was abused her whole life till 17. She was very broken. Um, So when you come from brokenness and don't find healing and get therapy and start learning what is healthy, you just pass on what you know. And, you know, I love my mom and I've forgiven her for all kinds of things said and done. but, But the reality is you can only do what you know. And this is where we get, as Christians, get tripped up. So we come into our lives and what we experience as love, we assume is our definition of love. But then we also assume several other things. We assume that if there is another Christian, then their definition of love is like our definition of love. Interesting. Or they should be like Jesus. So we make these assumptions. Then we fall in love and, you know, all this other stuff, or we get hooked into relationships because we think we can save someone or help someone, which is a lot of abuse too, because we should be good Christians. So a lot of our beliefs and stuff happen Mm. from misunderstanding scriptures, misunderstanding preachers and what they're telling us too. And we also, as a church, don't have this laid out definition as we grow up as a teenager and say, okay, let's look at our definitions of love and then let's look at Christ's. So when we look how Christ did love and it had boundaries and it had respect and it had the freedom to choose and it didn't have um, belittling or any of the other things in it. So when we, when we start going to his standard, then we look at our relationship and ourselves and go, Ooh, I'm falling short or Whoa, you know, my spouse or my partner is falling short then comes the question, are you both going to work on it? Are you both going to go to Christ's standard and therefore work to have the best relationship possible? Or are you going to find out you're not living to God's standards, which was my case in some ways. And then my spouse who proclaimed to be a Christian, they decided they weren't changing. So again, the, you know, you can't follow Jesus and abuse your spouse. It doesn't work that way. You know, it just doesn't. But as Christians, we are very, very blindsided because we grow up just assuming that 
when we start knowing God and Jesus, all of a sudden Jesus is going to download his love to us just boom, like we understand it. Well, we understand in our heart that he loves us, but we don't know what healthy is like if we've never seen it. And we also don't even know that we can change our definition of love or even how to begin. So mm. that's kind of been my process of helping people just understand, okay, what is your definition of love? Where did it come from? Did you know you can change it? Do you want to change it? And then here's how we do it. You know, and you you take God's hand and you walk that walk. But until you know those steps, a lot of us are living in unhealthy um, behaviors and thoughts without even knowing it. I, I know lots of Christians that um, get upset at their job or whatever, and then they take it on their spouse and they're disrespectful and blah, 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 but it's continual. And so people come to me and they say, is that abuse? And I say, well, absolutely it is. Is it disrespecting? Is it dishonoring? Is it degrading Christ in you when he says that to you? Yeah. So therefore it is. Now, not a reason to get divorced, but it's a reason to go to the spouse and say, you know what? Jesus lives in me. So anything you say to me, you're saying directly to him. So I think you maybe should step back and think, what am I saying to you? Just to um, uh, add to what you're saying that people look at love in a different way and you allow people to define what love is to them. Because the way I give love and the way I receive love might be different from the way you give and receive love. Yeah. If we are looking for a standard of how to give love and how to receive love, we look at Jesus. And there's one thing that you and I, we, according to the scripture, that giving, giving is like a key component of love. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave. And God himself is love. You cannot tell me that you love somebody if you don't love God, because where do you really get that true agape love? And even at that, there, there, there are definitions of love, like brotherly love, the unconditional love. The unconditional love, that is the hardest of love. So how can we achieve that agape, unconditional love just to look at somebody and just love them without any reason? I think we have to first look in the mirror ourselves and say, Am I a perfect person without brokenness, without hurt, without desire to be loved and valued? Hmm. That's where we start. And that's what we look at. I mean, God knows every single one of us is imperfect. And we, every person has been broken, scarred, hurt, um, you know, at some point in their life, if they're more than two years old, you know, and even at two years old, you know, that can happen. But this life down here is really, really difficult. And yeah. so looking at people through Christ's eyes, which he did and said, we're all broken, man. This is, you know, this is it. When you come across somebody who's being a bully, they're the most afraid person you'll ever meet. Mm. You know, it's their compensation for protection. It's the, So if we can see past what they're saying and find a way to just reach out or say, hey, you know, I see you in there or, you know, some compliment, some something beyond what they're doing, you know, and again, you have to have healthy boundaries and that took me years to learn, but, um, and, and we can't make that misconception either that unconditional love means Christians should be doormats. That's not what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus never allowed himself to ever be hurt or abused in any way until he gave himself over to be crucified. Mm, so there were many times people tried to throw rocks at him, tried to, you know, but he didn't, he disappeared. So Jesus does, G Jesus never talks about suffering in the sense of abuse. He talks about it in persecution because of our faith in him. So we mm. have to be very careful to understand our unconditional love to others is showing that love. But if they choose to come back at us, that's abusive or bad for us then it's okay to walk away and shake the, the you know, sand from our sandals because we have to be healthy too. Jesus also never begged, pleaded, argued with anybody about love or sharing his gospel with them. He just shared it. And if they accepted it, he was glad and grateful and he welcomed them. But if he didn't, if they didn't, then he just moved on to the next person. So mm. 
I, I think love is, is part of love too that people see is our peace and joy. And if people cannot see peace and joy in you, regardless of the circumstance, they're not going to open up. They're not going to trust that at all. Interesting point. Peace and love. Can you elaborate more on that? Peace and love. Why? Because there is nothing like being in the middle of chaos and seeing someone at peace to know Mm. there's hope. At peace to know I'm not alone, you know, that that I can go to that person maybe and, and get some strength. There's also this magnetism of joy when you've got somebody who is just joyful in their heart and always looking at the positive and always mm-hmm. encouraging others. And who do you want to be around? Someone like that or someone who's a crappy person? <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yes. Somebody who's, who's joyful and, and peaceful. Yes. Um, you talked about abuse. How would you, um, because most times when we hear the word spousal abuse or domestic abuse, we usually look at it from the physical aspect. Yeah, we do. And we neglect the emotional, even the spiritual, it can also be spiritual abuse. You know? Oh boy, I have, <laughs> and I've walked through that too, unfortunately with pastors, because in the 80s, when I first started talking to them, so in, in 73 was the first um, safe house created in the U.S. That's not very long. Well, come 84, I went to my pastor and told him what was going on, and his, well, I told him that my husband had put a shotgun in my mouth. And he told me that I needed to just submit, that I was married. I was 18 years old. What do you do with that? You know, it's like, are you kidding me? So that kept me in my marriage for a very long time because my parents also thought the same thing. You married him, you're, you know, this is your God vow and you're stuck, you know? Um, And at 18, that is like horrible, horribleness. So, um, Abuse comes in many forms and we need to be educated. In fact, I created a course, you know, we'll talk about it later, but it it is for um, just anybody who wants to learn, but it's also for spiritual leaders that can be mentors, teachers, even you, you know, that just need to know more about abuse and and how it works. Mm. And it's psychological, it's emotional, it's physical, it can be financial, what financials holds women back a lot. Um, Interesting. Just just many, many aspects of it. There's nine major categories of of abuse. And basically, it could just be all whittled down to anything that's disrespectful, dishonoring. Abuse is all about power of control. So there's a lot of isolation and then just a lot of permission. You've got to ask permission. You've got to, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Mm. And there's just gaslighting as part of it to, you know, discounting your spouse in front of others. And, you know, there's, there's just a lot of manipulation. So if there's manipulation, deception, coercion, anything negative, basically, that's controlling, I think can be, can be ruled as a form of abuse. Now, again, we often learn traits in our families that we don't even realize is abuse. Again, screaming Mm. and yelling at somebody because you've had a bad day and then, oh, I'm sorry, I apologize. But those patterns are abusive. So Mm. if we take those patterns and put them into our marriage and then we have a wife or a husband who has never dealt with the screaming and yelling, Mm. you know, they've always had the respect, then they're like, you love me, why are you doing this? And it's like, well, I love you too. Well, you love me. I love you. And, and so this is where all the misconceptions get, get started. But again, if we can train um, pastors and other people to really start looking at abuse and saying, we really need to train our congregations on what is healthy. That's what we really need to do. And then when we're talking about healthy love, we can also bring in a pattern of unhealthiness or extreme of abuse. And if people are having issues with that, then create classes from like um, exceptional love, you know, classes that just really teach people how to go through this and understand, my goodness, I learned these things from my parents and now I've passed them on to my kids. Yikes. 
and then they're going to pass them on to their grandkids. And do you see the perpetual problem here? Yeah. So unless we learn something different, we can't do anything different. Yeah, even when, when in the book of Isaiah, Jesus read that he has come to heal the broken hearted. Yes. We are, like you said, we are all broken. Yes. How can somebody who is broken be capable of giving love? Well, and that's the whole problem is if you're broken and your love is broken, that's exactly what you're going to get, broken love. So my parents mm -hmm. passed down their brokenness to me, which gave me the message that I was not valued. And unless I proved my value or did something good, then I didn't deserve even attention or love. Mm. So, And then if love happened to have some bad, you know, like hurtful words or physical stuff going on, then, mm. you know, they still loved you. As long as they apologized, it was okay. But you see, that set me up for being a victim of abuse right off the bat. Okay, in my because I'm still young, so maybe <laughs> in, my, in my contemporary time, uh, some of the young ladies that I speak to, they assume that yeah. um, the way us as men we love or we express our love is through sex, whereas we see female um, for them money we associate money and love, and then for them they associate sex and love, you know, right. money and sex. But the Bible never <laughs> talks about sex or money. Those two to have anything to do with love. But in our culture, right, it's about a man wants to prove his love for that woman through sex. And um, the woman will say, if you love me, give me money. Again, I'm not, I'm not against you taking care of your wife financially. Right. Right, but right. if you're coming at it from that point of view that, okay, to prove your love, you have to spend on me. And mm -hmm. then for the guy to prove your love for me, you have to give me your body. Right. Right. So again, unless they're both operating from Christ standards, then how do we get there? So one of my favorite things to do is to go to First um, Corinthians 13 and on that, um, it's verses four through, um, I think it is four through seven here. I'm, I'm just going to pull it up and read it. And so one of the exercises I have people do for themselves is, is to put your name where love is. So the verse says love is patient. So I would say Darla is patient. Darla is kind and is not jealous. Darla does not brag and is not arrogant. I don't act mm. unbecomingly. I don't seek my own way. I'm not provoked. I don't take into account a wrongful suffering. I don't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoice with the truth. I bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. So when I put my name in that, i that's a checklist for me to go, am I doing these things? Am I honoring and respecting and being what I need to be? But the same thing is true of your spouse or your, you know, who you're dating. Does this person do this? If this person is, you know, the, the, they're not doing this list at all, run, flee. <laughs> These are the standards of God. And and if we start looking at each other, this isn't a checklist to say you're doing wrong, you're, you know, you're this, 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 and this. This is a checklist to say, these are God's standards, and we both have got to go to this. This is what I want to live at, and this is how God sees the marriage, and this is how mm -hmm. it becomes a partnership and a union. And when women are treated like Christ themselves, like I said, if you really looked at your the one you love and can see Christ in them because of the words they say and the actions they do consistently, mm -hmm. then... Whatever you say to that person, you're saying it directly to Christ. And I think if we, one of the things I wanted to do as an artist, I drew a picture of Jesus and I wanted to, to make these little, I don't know if you remember these um, like overheads where you could see the, um, it's like a clear see-through screen stuff and you could write yeah. on it. And so I'd love to print those off and put Jesus on a, on a, on a <laughs> pop-up stick, not that, yeah. you know, uh -oh. the drawing. 
Yeah. But I would like to hold that up, couples to hold that up to each other and start talking mm-hmm. to each other. Because if they could really see Christ within each other, I think that would change a whole lot. I don't think you're going to look at Christ and say, you really cooked a crappy meal tonight. Would you? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's the whole point. You know, we're just not taught to see Christ in each other. And I, and I think if we were, and, and we knew his standards, then we would start behaving a lot better, not just to our spouse, but to our communities and to the world. This leads me to the question regarding uh, Christian women who are also kingdom women of uh, virtue. I see that based on what you have read, that love is, is, is a trait, attributes, kindness, patience, endurance. And um, these are all attributes that we can also ascribe to the fruit of the spirit. It's right. pretty much who you are. So love is, is is your character. It's not just an action. Yes, you can you can do an act of love, but love is an innate, consistent behavior of who you are. It's your being. It's your essence. It's your it's your identity. Um, what would you say? to Christian women who are in an abusive relationship, but because they fear this traditional religious mindset that even if you're in an abusive relationship, like you said, you have to endure. When do we draw the line? When is the time for that young woman or that that lady to say, you know what, enough is enough. This is not good for my mental health. This is not good for my physical health. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the gospel, but I have to leave. And and you're not being disrespectful to the gospel. Marriage vows are very, very clear about honoring one another um, and being there for one another. And it's a partnership. And the minute abuse happens, your partner has broken his vow, her vow, right then and there. And, and abuse can happen with women too, or men too, men and women, likewise. Um, it's just less less often. But you've already broken the vow. So if you believe that you're stuck there because of a vow, mm. you know, at this point, you're released from that. And so that's the first thing I would say. One of the biggest fears of a lot of pastors is if, People realize, Christian women realize that they're not anymore bound to the marriage vows because of abuse. We're going to have all these divorce. And my answer to them is, so you would rather have the woman destroyed or even killed just so the marriage stays intact. And what does that do to the kids but perpetuate this whole problem? And is that really what Jesus would want to do? You know, if anything, Jesus came to set women free in a lot of ways. You know, he, goodness, nobody talked to them. You know, nobody took yeah, care of people, yeah, nobody did anything. Yeah. And so here comes Jesus and not only women, but prostitutes. Oh my, you know, and women that nobody wanted and mm, discarded yeah, them, yeah. all of these things. So he values women. Yeah, Divorce yeah. was created to protect women. So, you know, in those days, they, they didn't have anything, they didn't have any rights, and they just, I mean, they didn't have any choice other than to be prostitutes at that point. And yet, God created divorce. God also divorced Israel because of their behavior and their disobedience and their, you know, adultery, you know, basically from him. And so when you're in abuse, you have all these things going on, but it is never God's will for a woman to stay in an abusive marriage, period. Now, I say that, but then I also say caution. It can be very dangerous. It could be deadly to get out. And it may take a while and it may take a process. I would encourage them to contact the nearest safe house they have um, in the area. Um, I wouldn't go to your church first unless they've been totally trained in abuse. And that's just the reality, unfortunately, that I had to deal with too. But I would I would definitely go to a safe house and start talking to them and see how you can create a safety plan that you basically can make yourself in case something happens that you can run at that point and be safe. So so that's number one. And then number two is, well, number one, you're not 
obligated by God to get go to the safe house and get a safety plan. Three, this is an entangled snare. Okay, so if you're married and then you have kids too, you're not only mm. dealing with yourself, you're dealing with them. You're yeah. also dealing with financials. If if he has all the finances, you're dealing with death threats. You're dealing with all the, the friends and stuff that he's gathered around that you won't mm. have anybody. I was kicked out of a church because of this. And wow. I'm the victim. So you, this isn't a simple, oh, just leave like people think. There are so many things to untangle and so many things that you've got to be careful of and that you've got to put in place that if you have kids, you know, they're going to be safe and you're going to get out of there. When I left my first husband, I ended up going to two different states because he had sent men looking for me. Wow. So here I am running with two kids. I mean, it's just like a movie. It's, it's crazy. So th these threats are, are real and you can't just ignore what's going on. So it, it's a big process. It's a mindset that they have to get out of and realize that they are valuable, that God loves them. And this is not God's will for them because after years of being beaten down and, and be, belittled and being scared, if you have no career skills, it's, it's terrifying. I mean, in, in the Western culture, women have rights. Um, and let's say I'm from Africa. Yeah. Um, where women are taught to be submissive. You know, if you yeah. end up with a good man and you're submissive, then good for you. I, I like I see this is what I this is sometimes how I tell people about um respect and love when the Bible commands that a husband love your wife, wife respect your husband. I see that when you love your wife, you have to serve your wife because that's what Jesus did. He served the church. So you have to express that love by serving your spouse respect for me is submission no submission for me is respect i see submission as respect meaning that um you consider the point of view of your of, of your husband i'm not saying that your husband makes all the decision because at the end of the day he doesn't know everything right but you you put him in that place of of spiritual authority ask for his input because us men when women ask for an input, even though we don't have the answer, even though we don't have the solution, but just you acknowledging that we are important. Because another thing about respect for us men is importance, self-importance. You know, if you give us that, you know, but sometimes other men now take this idea of respect and submission in a wrong way, meaning that like a woman should submit to me when I'm doing something wrong. So in the African culture, that submission especially in the church, not just in the culture. I mean, submission, the idea of women submitting to their spouses in Africa is not just applicable in the church, also in the culture, where women are being taught that everything that the man says or, or, or does, you just have to follow. You don't have to question, you know? When I came to this country called Canada, that was when I learned that <laughs> it doesn't matter your gender. People yeah. have an opinion. People have a voice. You know, women are very smart. Women are very intelligent. Women have ideas. Women can be in a leadership of authority. You understand? If, even in church too. My pastor is a female. My pastor is a female, and I'm under authority. You know, so that really that really changed my mind not to devalue or see women as second class citizens. I don't think yeah. because most people say the Bible sees women as second class citizens. That's a yeah. lie. Because yeah. Jesus talks about the, the Bible talks about the virtuous woman. The virtuous woman is like a contemporary woman who has morals, who has standards. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, Jesus was always going to those women who the so-called religious people have abandoned. Yeah. The prostitute, the woman in the, in the well, nobody wanted to talk to her. Even the disciples, like yeah. Jesus, what are you doing with this woman? But Jesus gave her a sense of purpose. And and look, like there, there are women in the Bible who God, who Jesus interacted with. There are women in the Bible who God used, who were important. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to, when you're, when you're telling them about how they should love God. So the verse of submission is there. But it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ. See, mm. the like Christ is the whole difference. Yes. Because yes, yes. we're going to use their definition of love. So 
again, if we bring it back to Christ, yes, you know, and, and if they love their wife like Christ and respect her and treat, I mean, my husband right now, um, and, and we'll be married nine years in March, nine, never nine. was going to get married again. Trust me, after three abusive oh, marriages and 30 years, it's, it was a lot. So this was a miracle clearly from God, but for once, I really do realize what it means to be loved like Christ because I didn't feel that from my dad either or anybody. And so, so to finally feel that I don't have a problem of submissive. I'm like, you know, (laughs) you know, something gets hard. In fact, if something's harder or it's like in the end, I'm like, Ooh, this is your, this is your leadership deal (laughs) because you're the head of the house. And he kind of looks at me like, that's really not fair, but, but because of the respect in that. So, Mm -hmm. so to me, submissive is more of, I am glad to let you take lead because you treat me so well. That's not even a problem. And if you Mm -hmm. look at the word submission in Hebrew, that's exactly what it says. You're treated so well that you don't even have a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. Love like Christ. Even even with God, even even God demands us to like God doesn't force or impose Himself upon us. You know, yeah. it's our free will, our free yeah. will. We choose to worship God. God doesn't come and take a, a knife. You must worship me. You must love me. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. emphasize that, husband, love your wife as who? <laughs> Is it based on your upbringing, your friends, the culture, the society, or like Christ? Right. And I, and I think that's one of the harder things in different cultures. And I, and again, growing up in Iran too, I understand, trust me, I understand that whole thing that women are disposable and they're just mm. to be used and thrown away. So I, I get that whole idea. I understand that probably more than a lot of people do, but mm. if you say you are truly following Christ, you are going to follow the scriptures, all the scriptures, not yeah. just that's a bit one, but the, you know, you will love her like Christ. And in fact, when I love left my first Christ. husband, I, I almost committed homicide. Literally, mm. I had a shotgun in my hand waiting for him to come home and he never came home that night. Thank God. But the wow. next day I'm like, what am I doing? And God said, run. And I ran to this one minister who um, he caught a lot of flack because his daughter had um, divorced her husband who was abusive. So I thought he'll understand. So I ran to him and he did understand. And he opened Ephesians for me and he said, okay, so you're hung up on that submit thing. And everybody's been telling you that, but he says, but look at this other verse that says, husbands love your wives like Christ. Has he loved Mm -hmm. you like Christ? And I went, no. And he says, exactly. He broke his vows. You're done. You're free. You know, go save your kids, go save yourself. And and I did. I was like, I am free. <laughs> this is yeah, yeah. Because I was no longer bound by my misconceptions. I like. I mean, we, we should, because we should read the Bible carefully. Just like people say, money is evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of the, the, the right. love of money is the root of all evil, right? But money right. in itself, it's it's good. But when you love it to the point where you will do anything to get it, you will sell drugs, you will still even kill somebody. Yeah. You know? So same apply in terms of love. Like husband, you can't just love. It's not like love is not abusive. Honestly, love is not abusive. Real love, true love is not abusive. No. And, And my thing is, if Jesus would not say this, think this and do this, should you? Should I? You know, and that should, you know, long ago, there was a thing, a bracelet thing called, um, um, what would Jesus do? Oh, yes, yes. You know, and I really wish they'd bring it back because so we could snap ourselves and go, I don't think Jesus would have just said that. So I need to go back and apologize. I need to fix that. And if we start thinking that way, that we are Christ in the flesh, we're, we're his representation, and we're doing a really poor job of it. I mean, if you look around the world, those who proclaim to be Christians, I have a hard time saying that word in the sense of we're not doing what we say we're we're, Christians are supposed to be like Christ, Christ followers. So I tend to use the word Christ disciple because a disciple mirrors, teaches, learns, follows and walks with him every day. 
and that's what we should be doing. This leads me to the last question before you discuss about your book and how people can reach out to you. I'm fascinated by the humility of Jesus. How do, what do you think, do you think that humility can play a role in a relationship? Because that's something that when a, when a, when a husband is humble, when a wife is humble, because pride is deadly. Yes. Pride is contentious. Pride is competition. Pride is comparison. But humility is a service. Humility is submission. Humility is regard. Yes. For one another. Yes. So what's your take on humility in a, in a relationship? Yes. Yes. I, pride to me is, you know, the word narcissist is always thrown out there, but it is true. It's all about me, you know, and whatever I want and do, it's going to be all about me by any means. And that's kind of the way pride is. Pride becomes all about us. So love, as, as I read in um, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, love doesn't put yourself first. Mm. You know, that doesn't mean you're a doormat, but it means you think of your husband. You know, you go to the sink and you get a drink of water. Hey, hon, do you want a drink of water? You know, start thinking about if I need mm. something, does he need it? You know, if she needs something or if, if, yeah, does my wife need it? Start thinking about serving in, in just simple ways. And I guarantee you, if you just do those simple things here and there, or just a hug or a touch or a squeeze of the hand when nobody's expecting it, you'll be amazed how much hearts open up and just start to melt. Those who really, really want to be healthy. Now, I can say those people that are abusive, it's all but unrecorded that you find someone who totally conforms because abuse mm -hmm. is very difficult to, to get rid of for one reason, submission and obedience. So to follow Christ, you have to submit completely to his ways and you have to obey them. Mm -hmm. For people, they more than likely have been hurt or abused in their life and they know they refuse to be the victim. So they will not give up power and control by any means. Mm, interesting. And that's where the problem comes in. Wow, so wow. they can say, Oh, you know, God healed my heart. And then, and this is where women get pulled back into it too. And, and I'm good for six months or a year. And then here we go again. And everything that I've read and from people that have seen maybe one person out of a hundred thousand, that person does a complete repentance and that repentance is a lot like an addict. So they have a support group, they have a plan, they follow, there's accountability their whole life because they mm -hmm. know they can fall into that cycle. So for people to abusers to totally walk out of this, just, you know, forming a line saying, well, I don't want to abuse the abuser anymore. Unfortunately, that has not been a proven fact. It's been more proven that they just walk away and find another victim. Wow, wow. So you can't just open your mouth to say, you know what, I'm going to stop this behavior. This behavior has been in your life for so long that it takes time. It's a process. It takes divine intervention and accountability from your peers to, to ensure that you're not going back. You right, know? a real abuser. Now, there's again, there's a lot of unhealthiness that can happen. And again, if you start noticing this and you want to get better, absolutely. I can see, you know, marriage is totally reformed when this person realizes, oh my gosh, and I don't want to be this. I don't want to be my dad. I don't want to be my mom. I don't want to be this person yeah. that, you know, I grew up with. So how do I learn steps not to? And again, that's a process too. But, but when you choose to live up to Christ's standards of love, anything's possible. Mm. Wow. Wow. So one last question. I'm, I'm, this is a very interesting conversation. <laughs> Let's say one person really wants to display Christ's type of love and the other person doesn't or the other person doesn't know much. Um, obviously, as Christians, we should continue to do that to the person. Maybe you never know. The person is saved, but the upbringing, they didn't really 
didn't really, they, they, they cannot believe that they can be loved in such a way. It's like, you know, you know how when people have never been loved before and then they meet somebody who's so joyful, who's so peaceful, when, when yeah. situations happen, like, how come you're not getting mad? You know, you should be yeah. getting mad, like in, in a relationship. You know, why can't you think about that problem? Darling, it's going to be fine. But no, it's not fine. Darling, I'm trusting God. So, but then, but then, ah, but this is not, and then you have to display that, that, that Christ likeness, like what Christ did to his disciples. Some of them were stubborn. Some of them were arrogant. Yeah. Some of them were doubtful. Christ still displayed love and lack of patience. Sometimes we don't have. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it can be very, very difficult with, with anybody. Um, again, our job is we need to be consistently showing Christ because we are going to be held accountable for that. Now, mm. we can still invite them and say, you know, it took me a long time to learn this or, you know, it's wow. come through years. But I invite you to to come with me and learn what I learned and talk mm. to your pastor and say, hey, can we meet and just talk about love? What does scripture say about love? How do we start getting a conversation so they can learn? Because, again, you can't learn. You can't do something you don't know. So mm -hmm. until they learn something new and practice it, you know, it's not going to change. Now, if you get someone who says, yeah, how can you do it? But I, I don't have time for that. I don't want to do it. Again, if it, it's tough. If you've made the decision and you've been unequally yoked from the beginning, you just have to see where that all falls. And if it starts getting abusive, then you have to start making some decisions and, you know, be open with them and say, you know, this, this is not okay to treat me this way. And, and you can't. But you also have to be very careful. First time you do that, first time I did that, I ended up with a gun in my mouth. So, you know, it, it is very scary. If something happens when you ask someone not to, to treat you disrespectfully, then you know right there there's a red flag. And if that starts right away, talk to a safe house. You know, start getting a conversation out there already because you know this person is not going to listen. In fact, there's a warning that I give all women, especially Christian women, um, if they are in an abusive relationship and they're getting all this advice that, oh, you need to communicate more, you need to be this more, you need to be that more, because you're a couple and you need to work as a couple, that doesn't work in an abusive relationship, and this is why. Interesting. You cannot treat an abusive marriage or relationship as a partnership. It is a dictatorship and mm. you cannot tell a dictator what to do. That's true. You cannot send abusive, uh, you know, when you know abuse is happening in a marriage or with couples, you cannot send them to couples counseling. I don't do it because in a couples counseling, you're dealing on a situation like kids or money or something like where you both have a say, you both have a part, you both have a responsibility in an abusive relationship. You don't have a You're the victim. He's the responsible one. So he's lighting the house on fire. Meanwhile, you know, they're yelling at you, trying to get you to fix it. You have no power. You don't have the match, you know? So I, I think it's really vital for women to understand that you cannot be in an abusive relationship and treat it as a partnership because it's not. It's a dictatorship. Abusive relationship. Wow. That's that's a good point. Abusive relationship is not it's not partnership, it's a dictatorship. Because only one person have the full authority, call the shots. Right. Wow. And it's very hard to make peace when you're in a dictatorship environment. Yeah. Nothing wow. nothing on the outside works. Any advice they give you for making healthier relationships is not gonna work. It's gonna backfire because they don't want to be healthy. Hmm. And Okay, how do people end up becoming abusive? Are they consciously aware of it or unconsciously? I mean, this is what they see in their upbringing. Like in my case, I live in a, a single, with a single parent. I've never seen my dad. My dad is dead. But I've decided that God, I am not going to pregnate any woman at the end of the day. I'm not going to be with that woman. So God has really kept me not to have any child out of wedlock, right? I want to have a child when I'm married because I don't want to repeat what happened yeah. in my life. You yes. know, even though at times I'm tempted to do that, but God, by his grace has really, really helped me not to have any child 
with any one woman I'm not gonna get married to because if my mama like, you know what, I don't wanna carry this single yeah. Yeah. in the black community, you know? So same yeah. with abusive. Let's say for example, if you're if you have seen if you're raised in an abusive home, you have seen it and you and you have given your life to Jesus, you have gone through training and you are aware because I did went through training and I and then you decide, you know what, God, I don't want to go this path. And I believe that you can change that. But what about those who grew up in an abusive relationship and they completely ignore that, they have seen it, and that cannot pass on to them? Again, it's always a choice. You you made a very, very mm. good statement. You chose to learn something different and do something different. So a lot of times when you're in that brokenness and that's all you see of love, first you got to realize that's not the only definition and that it is possible, possible, not just in the movies, but possible to actually feel love and be loved in a great way. And, and that's, that's an epiphany. It, it kind of was for me, even though I grew up in a Christian home, it was like, wow, you mean this, this is totally different. So you get people that are really, really broken. One, they just don't even believe it's possible Two, they don't believe they deserve it. So mm -hmm. those two factors, when, when you accept Jesus into your heart, this helps these two factors because you're like, okay, so now Jesus is living in you. Is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus love living in you? Then, then you either have to receive it or reject it. So those are choices. And if they can start seeing Jesus in them and saying, he does live in here, even though my life may not look like it yet. But if you take his hand and you learn his ways and you walk his ways, he can heal anything. And he can, he can yeah. just redeem your life and give you a life that you never even knew was possible. Wow. But you've got to make those choices. And again, so if they think, if they know it's possible and that's why we have to be God's love and joy and peace so that they ask questions and maybe want to learn more. And then if they make that choice, that choice to have Christ come in your heart is also a choice to be his disciple. And so that takes hard work and that's a lifelong road but, oh, my, is it worth it? Yeah, even me, too. I was on this path where, because obviously I grew up in the hip-hop culture, listening to hardcore rap music, uh, looking at women, shaking and all that stuff. So for me, my perception about women was completely disgusting. It was completely perverse, right? When I right. gave my life to Jesus, I thought that all, all women are like, especially I thought that all black women are like that. They're just sexual. But then <laughs> when I gave my life to Jesus and I met this, humble Christian lady, man, she, God just used her. She's my best friend now. God just <laughs> used her for her to really change my view yes. about women. Because if God did not bring that young woman into my life to change my view about women, even though I am saved, right. I will carry that perception. Right. Like for example, if I get married to a woman, I would I would see her that way. But God helped me to have somebody in my life who said, "You can't talk to me like that." Yeah, you yeah. can't call me that. Show some yeah. respect. Yeah, you can't come to my house at this time. You can't call me at this time. Praise God, she was good. <laughs> like, why you talk to me like that? Like I was, you don't give me attitude. I'm like, she really helped me. Yes, to have respect for women. To see women the way God sees them. And she was so consistent in her in how she expressed love to God. She taught me the Bible. She made me believe in myself that I have what it takes, that God is going to use me. You know? Yes. yes. Man, she so really helped me. Yeah. But, but that's what it takes. I mean, you're asking questions that you already know the answer to because you've walked it. And so now you just have to share what you know. This is the path to get out of the gutter. <laughs> And to work with Jesus to change your life and to have a whole new life that is so, brings so much joy and peace and, and optimism of what's to come. Kindly yeah. brief us about this magnificent books and your course, how people can access it and the benefits, the value that they can get from it. So you can always go to my, my um, website called godstransforminggrace.com. 
and on that there's there's clicks to view um, the books and and different courses and and like this one love worksheet that I have that's available there's a lot of free things available um, what's t toxic healthy love what you can do about it so there's a lot of free um, resources and just just things and information about divorce and abuse and all kinds of things they can learn um, I wrote uh, my first book was a memoir. It's called Under the Staircase, and it's mm -hmm. it's a really tough book. Requires Kleenex, um, mm. but it's kind of my walk oh, with my boy. voice to get out of that first abusive marriage, which was really mm. tough and horrific. Um, you know, so that was a real tough one. But I think it's very important for women to see that just because you love Christ doesn't mean you can't end up in these relationships. Because I did, and I think mm. that's why God me wow. too to realize that I was trying to discover what his love was I was trying to figure this out and I was determined I was going to do it so you know here comes Christian number two supposedly and I marry him and that ends mm -hmm. up in a, a number three so and wow. that also proves too okay. that just because you say you're a Christian does not wow. mean that your spouse is walking with God so mm -hmm. um I wrote a book called Who's Writing Your Life that just kind of talks about different aspects of God, which is really good to go through. But the one I, two I want to highlight is called Christ's Exceptional Love. And that book is the journey of what is your definition of love? Where did it come from? What things does the devil use to kind of draw you in and that he's been keeping you in the pit with these things? Then it talks mm. about what Christ's love is, what's healthy and what's abusive. So it's, it's kind of like this gradual walk of understanding more about what love is and, and really where Christ wants it to be. And that one comes and I, I have a workbook with that one as well. And then the, um, my book fell down, so I have to get it. But <laughs> the training that I did um, is called resolving the unhealthy and abusive marriage pandemic. And my husband and I actually, it's online course, if you want to take it that way, but we co um, co talk this um, course and it's the unhealthy and abusive marriage pandemic um, because it is a pandemic. It's just, it's unbelievable. Wow. Wow. Um, you know, they say 40, 40%. And every group I've talked to, it's at least 80% that somebody has dealt with it in the past, is dealing with it now, but it's 80%. And hmm. it's just the way it is. And it won't change unless we do something else. So this is titled A Faith Leader's Essential Training to Identify, Support, and Guide Victims. And like I said, that's an online course. It's a book too, but we have got to educate ourselves, not only what abuse is so we can identify it, but how to help victims, what to say, what not to say, you know, how do we make sure that if we're um, a pastor and the abuser comes to us, how are we not blindsided by them? How are we not sucked into their manipulations that they've learned how to do for their whole life? And they're pros at, they're pros, you know? how do we not get into those traps? And, and so it just gives us tools and what we need to do um, and how we go forward. 